Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Welcome and thanks for joining us for this episode of Faith in Your Recovery. Today, through the guidance and the knowledge of Dr. Artisher Mayron, psychologist, behavioral researcher, and much more, we're going to look at anxiety, depression, and mental issues. And there's a reason why I don't say mental health issues at this time. And as Dr. Artisher shaking his head... <laughs> We'll explain that as we go, but we hope we can we can bring a challenge to your understanding, your knowledge, your experiences, and I'm sure we can do that. Dr. Artisher believes that that these these behaviors, these issues of our depression, anxiety, and mental issues can be pointing us toward unfulfilled potential. And he also believes there is a cure, and that's the hopeful part, and that's the exciting part. Uh, Dr. Artishers received his professional education from Columbia University in New York. He now resides in Northern California, the Bay Area. Randy, you froze. Okay, are we okay, Eric? Yeah, we'll just keep going. Eric says it's okay here. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Dr. Artisher resides in the Northern California Bay Area, San Francisco. Welcome, Dr. Moran. Thank you so much, Randy, to be with you and with your listener. And the way you describe it and even the message about finding healing and not listening to the labels we get, that's what I like to bring to your attention and to your listeners, that actually we have not been solving the right problem. Well, listen, we are the experts today, and I know you feel that in your own field. I feel like I can do my best. So yes. we're going to give them our knowledge, challenge their knowledge. So I feel good with that. Uh Throughout this time, we'll discuss your book you've written. You're not depressed, you're unfinished. I love that title, and as I did a little research, I've come to under, get an understanding of what that's about. Then I certainly want you to touch on your bill of emotional rights. Uh, I'm a man of faith. I was a pastor for, I've been a pastor for 40 plus years. And, and I'd like the, the I am statements, the I yes. statements that you have used to describe these. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. But I want to go back to another point in your life before we get into all that, all that heavy stuff. Okay. All of that deep knowledge. And I want to talk about about someone who left a lasting impression on you, somebody who just touched you in a way that has certainly challenged your life. And I'm talking about a guy who had a great love for peanut butter, banana, 
and crispy bacon sandwiches. Folks, if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about the king of rock and roll. He, he changed this world, not just the music, but I believe the entire culture, that the gentleman Elvis Presley was indeed an icon of our lifetime. So tell us why, why Elvis fascinated you so. Break us into that, please. So Elvis, the way and I saw his movie and um, and I read all it through my life, he was a man of love and faith. When he sang, he did his art. He was in the mood of gospel and really was talking to a greater being. He was just doing his soul's work. He came to collide with money-making machine of music industry, Las Vegas, and so on. And he became an object. We admired him. But I have it, I don't know how many you, Elvis' songs on my phone and my Spotify, and I listen to them all the time. When he sings, there's an element of clarity, of purpose, of love, simple love, of devotion. And to me, everybody has a music. Everybody has a way of melody. We lose that melody. Our song in our lifetime, we use, even like part of my work, we teach people how to speak in front of audience, in front of executive, in front of you know, stakeholders, investors. We have lost the way of heart, of language, of humanity. When we do that, everything becomes superficial. That's the reason this work that I do, people, in fact, Randy, in Zoom, people, they put their fingers to me, says, you get me, you get me. And they say, you don't use the language, depression, anxiety, ADHD, trauma. And I tell them, there's a reason they were created. These are human experiences. There's a reason for them. These are not lifelong ailments. So to me, Elvis, he spoke from the heart as the way he was. And that's the beautiful aspiration that I hope to have in my way of bringing my message to the world. Be honest, tell the tell your truth. I've always believed that Elvis touched the heart beyond your hearing, that uh, didn't stop at the ears and, uh, you know, being processed in the brain, but it went all the way through you. Uh, whether it was a quote labeled gospel song or or Blue Hawaii, anything he's saying, he sang with heart, obviously. And I and if, if if I can build on it, so I used to work in New York City in this company. I didn't have any money. I was the lowest ranking employee. I used to walk down the halls in my early twenties. And seeing Elvis's song, Can't Help Falling in Love with You and Whistle. My wife, also a young girl from Buffalo, New York, was sitting a few cubicles over there. She heard that word, those songs, and she came and says that you're so different, all the other New York boys. Can we go on a date? Elvis says, help me meet my wife. And that song was our wedding night song. That's a... That's a great connection. I've read that to some of your information. I was hoping you would you would share that with folks because not only did he touch your heart, he touched hers, your wife's yeah. as well. 
I understand there was another major incident in your life that has formed some of your some of your goals maybe infused your creativity and that's some of the struggles your mother had uh, I didn't see details I'd like to ask you to share of those whatever you're comfortable sharing please so the folks can understand yeah. what helped build you and who you are that's right thank you there is a ironic joke in the field of mental health clinicians when we go to graduate school, we pass it on to each other, that healers are the children of depressed mothers. And they go through life to heal the wound of their caretaker and trying to bring some peace to the wounds that never got healed. Wow. So my mom was an extraordinary woman. She passed on, so is my, so has my dad. But she was her. She was a child of trauma, a gifted woman. To this day, I'm thinking, mom, you're, I admire her. I love her. I pray to her all the time. And we all got hurt. There were six of us. So the reason I went to therapy, to psychology, was trying to really heal my mom, my dad, my own family, six brothers, sisters, and we were all struggling. What happened in families when there's a struggle, you don't see it. You come accept it. We're all like this. We're quirky. We get into family argument during holidays. So there's a sorrow. There's a pain that never goes away. So the reason I went to clinical field, I have doctorate, three areas of us specialties, four masters, so many credentials. I learned my trade in the school of life from my mother, from some of my patients and people who came to me with their pain. So this journey I came upon, really discovered that the reason people are hurt, it's not the clinical brain chemistry or like a broken brain, it's broken hearts. <laughs> broken hearts create so many problems, going to back to Elvis. Once you bring the heart, when you're trying to mend the heart, the soul, people will find their way. And there's a original design. I love the way you talk about fate. We all have original design. Original design is good. Life give us sucker punch. All of us, we get it. Then we start to focus on the punch versus go back to your original design. You find healing. My work is about finding the design, the goodness inside you that no psychologist put it together. And instead of trying to fix something that be less of depression, anxiety, ADHD, know your original design and bring that, claim that, and you will see literally your depression, anxiety, ADHD dissipate goes away. Know your original design. I like that quote, and I, I like the joke that, you know, from your school days that you shared with us. I want to, as you said earlier, I want to, uh, yeah, just if I could, I'd be pointing at you right now saying, you get me with this because at the age of 23, my mother took her life. And I am sure I've spent a lot of the rest of my life 
trying to heal her hurt as well as my own. It has certainly been a driving force. And I no way did I want to lose her that way, but no way was I going to let that be the thing that held me <laughs> held me back. So I I can relate to what you're saying there. Yeah, that you know, just that that pointing finger there. I'm able to get to get so pardon the point, but you get what I mean by that. Okay, that's that's a total respect that I that I share that uh, from everything I've I've read about you. I get the impression that you believe anxiety and depression, which I see as two of the significant gateways to addiction. That as we look back that along with trauma and there are other issues, and I guess it depends on definitions and lines, but that you believe all of that can be healed and even cured. It's not just a matter of, of treating and trying to keep it from getting worse, but you honestly believe it can get better. Is that accurate? I believe in it, and I want to put it out there. First of all, a couple of things, that there are folks listening to you, that they are in treatment, that they are going seeing psychiatrists, psychologists, they are on medication. Please don't stop your treatment. You know, what I'm sharing with you is a point of view, backed by 30 years of research, so there is a science behind depression and anxiety. And there's a reason I focus on those two. That we, the reason we know more about them, this is the research came actually from 1970s from veteran affairs hospitals, working with soldiers from Vietnam war and then later on for other wars. That these are soldiers that they went through, uh, you know, atrocity or war, PTSD, hurt, that the medication, current way of therapy, were not helping them. They were miserable. So few clinicians started to ask a different questions instead of medicating them. Electric shock with them on two hours of therapy that they are telling a story with their bodies, with their flashbacks, with the way they're acting out. So they start to pay attention. When we get sick, we get ill, what actually happens to us? So anxiety, so I'm going to give a sense if you're feeling anxious and depressed, what does it mean? Anxiety at its core is a sense of stability, prediction, and control. We're trying to find your way. You're just almost like a free falling. You just wanna get some stability. When that happens, our internal organs, literally our gut tightens. That's the reason a lot of women, they have tight guts, you know, they have churning guts. That means your body's creating a lot of hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, as a way for you to do something, get something done. You just feel free fall. With men, a lot of them, when they go through those kind of situations, they have cardiovascular problems, heart problems, blood pressure, breathing problems. That means they're trying to act something once do something to calm down, get predictability, they, can't, they cannot find it. When that happens, the answer is, instead of medicating, which a lot of clinicians do, trying to find 
what is going on in your life that you need a stability in a small doses taking back you taking back control stability predictability once you do that your body your nervous system your breathing your heart rate all of those calm down so your body when you get ill your body's trying to tell you is almost your sos signal do something don't numb it you talked about addiction addiction is diversion there are a number of senior leaders high potential entrepreneurs call me they are on substance abuse including porn or just you know infidelity because they are out of balance and you're looking as a way to numb themselves anxiety is depression is a different animal depression at its core is a sense of loss grieving and mourning the way you lost your mom the way my mom left this world and i could never close a loop with her there was a bereavement going on and it's still going on and you know it there's a heaviness in your soul so when depression happen you're grieving the key to remember a lot of clinician talk about depression as an affective mood disorder you're trying to make you feel less heavy have more hope eat better have more romance you know just be happier those are symptoms is about depression it's always focus on a loss or series of loss and that's the reason i wrote the bill of rights if you ask people what is going on in their life in their experiences you see there are common experiences men women different culture you live uptown you live downtown is the same human loss we experience so Going to the loss depression does that fit into the idea the unfinished business you mentioned earlier that's right so what i found out over 30 years i don't know how many hundreds of people instead of went into as a clinician trying to make them suffer less i asked them tell me what are you seeking what are you looking for in your dreams in your hopes when you have that glass of scotch what do you see in your body in your heart in your longing did realize everybody has a story everybody is seeking for something that something is the story that will save your soul you know it depression your story of a pain that you know it there's nothing wrong with your brain there's nothing wrong with your brain chemistry you've come to tolerate your sorrow your sorrow will lead you home if you listen to it so dr artichoke where where do your colleagues stand on what you're sharing with us right now and i'm sure that depends who you talk to and you know their expertise but do you feel like you have the kind of support for your thinking that you, you you need or deserve i don't mean personally personal satisfaction but to make your thoughts work and accepted thank you randy so my book came out in end of may so this work was ready for almost 10 12 years 
and I was sitting on it. I didn't know what to do because I was a corporate executive. I had a day job, made good money. I was a role model. And I was thinking, I didn't know what to do with it. And I was literally getting depressed. It was in series and I talk in my book, series of epiphany and a pain. It was an anguish that sense that artist here. And I, and I mean it from really my soul. This work doesn't belong to you. You're just a delivery guy. You need to bring it to the world. Give it to the world. You'd, and, I, and even I get choked up that you do your work. We will do our work. So <clears throat> my book came out in May and I was blown away by the receptivity of people. So I thought maybe my wife buys the copy and my sister buys a copy, <laughs> but clinician write me and people write me from the, across the world. And they, they, their message basically is that I found me. I found a way that is based upon hope versus more therapy, more medication, and they're just tolerating my struggle. There is a tension in the clinical field between mainstream psychiatry that they believe all our medicate, all of our ailments is mind and um, um, brain chemistry. That's the reason there's so much pharmaceutical and so much um, treatment um, medicine for ailment. The people who've done this work, they see that within five, 10, 15 se session, you will get significant turnaround and you find yourself. And I tell my colleagues, a number of them psychologists, that the whole notion of open-ended psychotherapy, weeks after weeks, months, and years, is based upon false assumption. It's basically symptom management. When you help people find their original design, find their loss, know what they are missing, people go to the process of restoration. Healing is restoration. Once you show them the playbook, the manual to their own self, people can find their way home. That needs less money for psychologists, and I'm fine with that. I want you as a client, go home quicker. Go find you. That's my reward. I don't need you to come and give me a lot of money for weeks and weeks and weeks. So there's a tension in psychology, but my people, you, you read my Amazon book reviews, I don't know those people. I just follow what I'm hearing, and I do my work, and I trust the divine that if it's meant to be, it will be. Amen. So before we get into your emotional bill of rights, I read or heard in one of your previous interviews about back in 2012, you had an epiphany. I believe it said at that time in your life, you were feeling like a chunk of concrete. That's, right. uh, that's, right. that's Explain that to us. Tell us of those moments, if you would, please. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. So it was the, the third Sunday of uh, August 2012. So I very vividly remember that Chris, that the New Year night of that year, 2012, we came home from party and I went to bed that night, lay down next to my beautiful wife. 
my prayer to Lord was, make this my last year. I cannot go on anymore. I just felt empty. I was an executive role model, getting promoted. People loved me, life of the party. I just felt there's nothing left. I cannot see myself. How many more years do I have to go? And I'm just finished. Please take me. And I was keep falling and falling. I would go to work. Um, if people can relate, I couldn't even see text of an email. I was in continuous anxiety attack. My body, I couldn't breathe. I just felt the walls closing on me. I was shutting down. Since when I was 20, every Sunday, I wake up at 6.30, go to our kitchen, a strong cup of coffee, read my journal, my pen, my favorite pen, and just journal. That Sunday, somehow two questions popped into my head. I think somehow the, the universe learned that this dude is not getting it, but they realized that I'm, I'm a good investigator. I'm a researcher. So two questions came to my head. Instead of asking, how do I heal myself? I asked the question, what is depression? And why does it take so long to heal depression? Two questions. Because up to that point, I've gone over the years to seven psychologists. I was always a good patient, followed the instruction. A psychiatrist took all the medications and I would see my depression lower but never went away. So I've come to accept I'm just like my mom, my dad, my sibling. When those two questions in August came to my head, somehow almost as if a veil was lifted that we psychologists, clinicians actually do not understand depression. We see it as an ailment. Depression is a story. Depression is an experience to listen to that the clues to healing is the story of people's struggle. And I start to think about my mom was a struggling. What was behind her struggle? I am a struggling. What behind that? And instead of trying to mask it, make it go away, I'm telling a story with my depression. What does it mean? And literally all those books, lectures, professors, Dr. Foist of the world, I saw, it is hard to explain it. I saw like almost like things moved in my head. Ah, look at that. Patients from in my 20s in Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital, they were telling me a story. I would see that they're telling me something. I don't get it, but it's important. Remember that my world of knowledge changed that day. Took me a long time, but I start to see mental illness are series of experiences, predictable experiences. If you listen to the experience, they will guide you home. So, Persian poet, the Persian poet Rumi says, the answer to pain is through the pain. If you listen to the pain, they will tell me what I need to do and why did I end up being here. That changed me. I stopped going, taking my medication from psychiatry, threw everything in the trash, and start to say, follow the breadcrumb of your pain. That will lead you home. So was this somewhat a return to your original self during that epiphany? Did it, it took you back to where you were and the 
the fall, as I believe you worded earlier, somewhat yes, began. But by going back there, you can recover yeah. that original self. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So to this day, when people call me and they call me, say that I want, I've been, to, actually, this is common between, I've been to psychology, psychiatry, medication, trauma, and I've come to accept that. But your book, your message resonated with me. And I tell them point blank, dear friend, if you're depressed, this is what it means. Some basic emotional needs of yours didn't get to be fulfilled in life. Was that, it's unfinished. It's unfinished. You were, you, they were violated. They were dismissed. They were, they were de degraded. Or you didn't know these are your rights. Parents didn't give it to you. Teachers, bosses, society, mayor, you were born to experience them in life. Once you know that, you claim yourself. That's really that elemental. So go ahead. I think that's a great lead into those uh, those seven emotional rights that you've alluded yes. to, and I mentioned in the beginning. I think it's a good time for us to hear them with your explanation. Thank you. So, Randy, I'd like to invite your listeners, as I mentioned this, for them to hear my words and let them almost reverberate against your body. These are not intellectual concepts. These are we feel them. These are the whole person experience. So listen to my words, translate them in a way that makes sense to you, and see what shifts, what energy, what the uh, glimpse or excitement or just sorrow comes up there are seven needs they happen right at birth all the way to our death one of the things i learned in my work by the time we get to middle age and we get later in life we think people stop growing that's incorrect number of my clients they are senior citizen in their 70s and 75 grandparents who read my book through their children and say that my kids put me in nursing home, say, mom and dad, go there till you die. I read your book and said, oh my gosh, I'm not done. And so the needs, start the very first one, sense of I belong. You were born with the need, with the right to belong to a tribe, to loved ones, to be loved and receive love and reciprocate love and create love. This is as elemental. The way you held back in life, the way you were kissed, they were attended, you were fed, your needs were met, that you belong to the community of people. This is the elemental sense of belonging. I belong. When it's high, you feel that there's a sense of backbone. There's a people you go to, there could be argument, there could be frustration, which they always are, but you are welcome around the table. People are loved. When people look at you, they see your face, they see your eyes. You can be you. When it's low, you feel empty, you feel shallow, you feel isolated. You're in a room full of people admired and you feel lonely. The most of the people who take their lives, and I had some of that in my own family, they are extreme isolation and nobody sees that. And they just, they just go down and they never come out. That's the reason in suicide hotlines, talk to somebody, that person has become your umbilical cord. That you love 
and you receive love and you give love back. The next need is I'm boundless. Boundless is that we have bodies. We were born just like a lioness or lion in Serengeti. We are the full being. The modern man and woman, we become talking heads. That our bodies are transport vehicles. Even the term mental illness, mental health, scientifically incorrect. We feel there's no such thing as body. What we know from science, we don't feel emotions in our head. We feel them in our bodies, in our gut, in body pain, in sensation to our entire body. I'm boundless, this means are you close to nature? Are you using your body? Do you know how to express your body, engage in whatever you do? It's not about having six pack and being really healthy and fit. It's about your body's engaged as a part of expression of you. Many people, starting with our children, we destroy that. We tell kids, sit there, don't use your fingers, don't be fidgety and express your words. We become literally separated from our body. This is about your being as one person, one whole. The next need, I am complete. Many people to this day, all through their life, they feel broken, they feel hurt. They are burdened with shame and guilt that I didn't get what I needed. This is about shedding the heaviness of yesterday wars. We all have the struggles. What we know from the modern science, especially trauma research, that there is no such thing as past. Old Testament, New Testament, all the major literature references, they talk about you live in the moment. This wasn't some kind of philosophical thing that life happens one millisecond at a time. So when you go to a therapist, to your, to your um, priest or rabbi, or whoever is your spiritual, if you bring a pain, what it means, your body thinks that pain, that struggle is happening right now. This is about doing, reconstructing your life in this here and now. And all those backward looking therapy, when I was 20 years old, five years old, what happened to me? Interesting is irrelevant. Healing and being full happens right here, right now. And psychology just waking up to that. And when you do that, people get significant lift and shift in being me, claiming your life. There's no such thing as past. The next need is I matter. You live uptown, you live downtown. You're in this country, in that country. You're around the table. And dignity, respect, honor bestowed upon you. You don't have to fight for it. You're a member of human race. There are many people invisible. Coming from corporate environment, you see people entering the conference room, um, uh, like town halls. Nobody turn around and see them, look in their, in their eyes, welcoming them. Hey, it's good to see you. Come on, sit here. There's a project. What do you think? There are many people are bystanders. They are on the bleachers. They see the life going in front of them. You are not invited around the table. This is honoring each person's being there around the table. When we do that neurologically, you're awakened. 
you feel a wholeness, you feel respected, you feel connected. The next need is I make. Everybody's doing something in this world. Everybody. You're executive, you're a farmer, you're a dentist, you work in the field, um, you're um, cleaning table, everybody's doing something. Is that something your work? We all make promises, we all make compromises, we all have responsibilities, we do things we have to do, we have responsibilities. But at the end of the day, do you feel this is you doing your work? Many of my work, I've worked with people who are doing very well financially and otherwise, and they always say something like, someday I will do this, someday when I retire, someday when I get my next, my next money or next house. That someday kills us, that's depression that you were born to do something or many things, find that. Because when you do that, you come alive. And the research over and over shows, if you're in a soulless work, depression, anxiety, all sort of mental struggles spike. The next need, and they don't go, I mentioned next need is all, there's a pattern they go, they are not necessarily linear. The next need is I am. Like, I love Randy, the way you mentioned, you're doing this podcast because you have a voice, you have a conviction, your message you bring to the world. Everybody has a voice, it's your soul's message. The world needs to hear your message, what you believe in, what you stand for. It could be the worst idea, what is your message? Work on it, how to present it better, share it better. And people hold it back. There are a lot of people are hesitant. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe it's not politically correct. Maybe no one wants to listen. Your voice, if it's there, it needs to be shared. Own it. The final one is I soar. Maya Angelou, in her book, I Know Why Cage Bird Sing, has a saying that saved me. It goes, there's no greater agony than burying an untold story inside you. Everybody has a story. Eight billion people, eight billion stories. What is your story? Your story is a gift to you, is a covenant, is a promise. Once you know that, you become indestructible. So these needs, they all reside within us and we feel that at different times in life. So people, when I share that, people say, oh my gosh, Ardashir, I'm so busy, there's seven needs. And I tell them there's a way they work at any point in life. Usually there's a one need that is a source of inspiration, excitement, calls you, say, I want more of that. I know it, I know it, I want that. Follow the energy for that. That is you knowing, there's a knowing inside you, follow that. Then there's a need that is a source of torment source of heaviness, ah, unfinished, you know, I need to focus on that. I never got to experience that. There's a sorrow, pay attention to that. There's some repair work to do. And usually there's a need that is the foundation of your house, gives you backbone, gives you comfort, solvency. For me right now, back to earlier question, the need of eyesore that I need to do this work because I do believe this work will help many, is I saw, I'm fully following the energy of that. 
The one that gives me the angst is I make. I'm building a new way of therapy. It's new. I need to figure out how do I bring it to the world? How do I share it? How do I teach others? How do I make money? All of that. And I'm thinking other people have figured that. Do the work, stay in the ring, and things will work out. The one that gives me the backbone is my family, my wife, my son, my brothers, sisters, and my golden retriever. I go there for me to feel stable. So to the listener, don't overthink it. Follow the energy. Follow the energy. Energies come from inside you. Follow what excites you, what brings you sorrow, and what gives you stability. Follow the energy, and you'll be fine. On which of these seven, I'm going to call them steps, if that's okay. Yes, yes, On yes. each, which of each of these seven steps do you see folks struggling the most? You've mentioned some of your yeah, challenges, yeah. but uh, most of us, where do you see us hung up or having right. to battle the hardest? Ex 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 uh, excellent question. Is sense of I belong. There is an epidemic of loneliness in our society, in America, and in fact, most of the Western world, that we don't know how to connect. We think being in social media, how many likes we get, or we go drinking with our buddies, that means sense of connection. Connection is connection from the heart. I see you. You're safe with me. I want to hear what you say. Can we spend time together? all the way to including physically holding each other. We know from the nervous system, a hug to be meaningful, it needs to be about six seconds long because body feels it, heart to heart feels it. We just gave like a bear hug, stop. We haven't quite learned how to be with each other. And when we don't have sense of I belong, that's the root cause of a lot of violence, outbursts, and the people behaving badly all the way to substance abuse. And that starts from home. That starts from the basic parent or guardian and raise it and treating their children like that so they learn it. If there is a way to spend, if you were going to bet on anything, I would start with, I belong. That really sets the stage for humanity, right? I, I wasn't clear on what you said earlier. Was it these are not linear? Is that correct? Okay. That's right. So do you believe that if we can't get a hold of number one, the I belong, we're going to have big trouble with the other six. Must we conquer that first in order to accomplish maybe I am complete, I make, for example? Yeah, thank you. Great question. Look at it. It's almost when you build a house, you want to make sure it has a good foundation. So when tornado, earthquake, flood come in, is it strong? When you don't have I belong, the rest of the knees become very shaky. It's almost if you don't have the I belong, you I soar, you will not go far because you don't know stability to go far. So I would start with I belong as a core work. And um, about, and 
this is these are all doable these are all achievable if you feel you're strong and you're struggling because nobody first of all taught about them taught us what they need how to do that and their criticality for us we can always start where we are right now so i belong is the where i start to build a foundation for others Okay, and that makes sense to me. We go back to what's unfinished. I keep liking that word unfinished, but everything, so much of what you're saying takes us back to take care of that step that you missed out on, and then you can start to build on that foundation. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of the AA program and the 10 steps that go with that would you be bold enough for would you be would you take the ownership of calling this seven steps to mental health does that fit with what you're saying i'm fine with that i mean if it resonates i'm perfectly fine with that because i've been to aa through some of my friends going and honoring respecting that is this that sounds fine to me if it works like that seven a step to mental health and as a way to know this is not you do seven a step and some you graduate and you come out of exactly this is the way of being like my hope is that this is the once you learn them you can raise a family like that you can have a relationship like that in the place of work place of worship that and that's the reason I call them rights, just like a civic right, national rights. This is the way of being with each other. This is the way of foundation of humanity that you know my needs, I know your needs. We take care of each other so we have fulfilled lives and interaction with each other. So we become guardian of each other's finishing the work and everybody goes at it differently. Let's. Let's just take for granted there's a listener out there who's struggling with life. Yeah. What kind of advice could you give them to help them get through tomorrow and to start building that foundation? That's a great. So some suggestions that things when people are struggling, life feels very heavy for them feels there's no hope because I'm sure they've tried many things. And after a while says, oh my gosh, I need to go on and go on and go on. Several perspective to consider. One is that there's nothing wrong with you. That I know the modern psychology, you go to even bookstore library, all the books about mental health, they are depressing. I don't want to read any book about depression. Just reading the book about depression is depressing that you are okay. You just, there are experiences in life, dear listener, you didn't get to have. You didn't get to have fully, or you didn't know you deserve, it's your right to have them. And that's your right. That is your right. The next one is, my book is available online in the ebook. And if you go to my website, you can download them. PDF on the Bill of Rights, find any of them, any of those rights that when you read, that is, get a sense that this speaks to me. 
This makes me feel lighter. This brings me hope. Start anywhere. And next thing, start small. You don't need to have, I want to go to 30th floor and I'm going to have a big project plan how to get there. No. Start small means next hour, next 10 minutes. Do something that is small, that something is less about, I'm not going to eat um, this good food versus there's more, I will eat a good food. I will have my veggies, something that has sense of ownership of do. Mental health is at its core about doing. You do things versus holding back. So find things you do with respect to any of those Bill of Rights that you feel you're getting an action done for you that it makes sense, bring you some joy, some light. Because once you do that, that brings you hope to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. Tell us, if you would, about your 30-day mosaic. I found that quite interesting as I was listening to some of your previous interviews. Yeah, so 30-day mosaic is uh, going to that, the eyesore. People call this artistry. I'm so lost. I've been in a world of work, responsibility. I know I've been looking for purpose. Where do I start? And I tell them, dear friend, you're already swimming in your purpose. You just don't see it because life has a tendency to make things cruddy. So get a piece of paper. Can be any kind of paper or claim a wall in your house or anything you have for 30 days, could be 10 days. Whatever captures your attention. Cut it, print it, pick it up. Put it on that space. And that can be like you read an article, you see a flower, you see a picture, and you see a headline, you see like a pine cone on the, or the, on the ground, you see a leaf, you see branches. Put it there about what excites you, interests you, says that is interesting, that's fascinating, I like that, I wanted more of that. Once you do that, put it there, and come every few days or so, move things around so it becomes cluster patterns. Things like a grass or nature you can put in one place, travel to other place. Don't overthink it. Follow what excites you, interests you, mystifies you. Very soon you start to see patterns. Everybody does. And then zoom out, sit back and say, what is this pattern telling me? What that patterns tell you? is that there are interests within you that you didn't pay attention to it. Then the question for you is, what do you do? Maybe this is a hobby. Maybe this is a side project. Maybe go take a class. Or could be your next job, your next role. Two instances, people did that and said, you know what? I'm not in a right relationship. I mean, it's a loveless, joyless, and uh, basically stuck relationship we've been together. I want more. I want more. So gradually found a way to get them at themselves out to different places. So that one is your own story. Make it visible to you. And then you decide where do you want to go with that. That's your private work. And it's a very joyful work. And it doesn't cost any money. <laughs> Just do it simply. 
That's why I wanted you to offer this to folks. It's something anyone and all of us can accomplish. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's a matter of taking the time to do it. And in what you're saying, I'm going back to that idea of follow your energy. And as you start to focus on that pattern, maybe your energy is going to come into greater focus. And it will propel you to move forward in a positive way. Absolutely, absolutely. Randy, what energy people in our Western world will be taught to be very logical, emotionless speech in almost all conversation. Energy, everybody has it, everybody. And is your, there's a knowing you have. We all have it. Children have it. We suck the life out of them. There's a knowing you have. Energy is about your own knowing. That's your intuition. Once you listen to it, you realize actually you know a lot more than anybody around you realize that. Even you realize that. There's a knowing. There's a wisdom. Everybody has a wisdom. It's not the guy at the corner office has the wisdom. Everybody has it. Listen to your energy. Listen to your wisdom. Another one. Go ahead. Another one of those rights that we have that wisdom. Use it. Uh, Use it. Dr. Moran, what is there you would, you'd kind of like to wrap this up with? What's one more thing you think we need to know that I haven't addressed or you'd like to go back to? And also, I'd like for you to share with our listeners how to get your book. Go ahead and share those media sources, please. Great. Thank you. Thank you. One thing is that I did this work because I got tired, including myself, of suffering so long for so many years and no light at the end of the tunnel. We are designed for healing. Suffering is man-made. Suffering is man-made. We are designed for healing. I don't want you, dear listener, to suffer. If you're like me, you can be depressed, anxious, and say, this is life, life sucks. Please don't do that. Now we know better. Now we know better. And you were designed for healing. Find it. Find it for yourself, for your loved ones, for your world of work, for your people around you. And you will find it. It's there. Nobody taught us that. That's my work. And it's not me. There are many people bringing it. It's almost going against the current psychology and psychiatry. The way you can find me, go to my website, www.ardashirmehran.com. And I'm a free open source. Give it to the world. People should know this. Use it. Give me feedback. Write more. But use this work. You're designed for healing. Get to know your original design. Get to know your right and don't compromise. These are your rights. Don't give it away to anybody. Claim it. Just in case there's any confusion, and you correct me if I'm wrong, please, Dr. Artisher, A-R-D-E-S-H-I-R, Moran, M-E-H-R-A-N. Correct on that? Check it out, folks. Uh, it's, It's more than worth your time, and you've made it more than worth our time today. One final question. The name of our podcast is Faith in Your Recovery. What do those four words mean to you? For me, they're asking me that you were born to recover. Recover 
is back to you. You recovering faith is back to you and your whole self. We were born whole. We were born perfect. You're born as a star, as an angel. Faith is that you can come home. The journey of healing is the journey of coming home and wholeness. To me, that's what it means. Amen. Uh, go back, take care of the unfinished, and move forward by following your uh, your energy and uh, stay with it and fight the battle. That's our that's our theory here on faith in your recovery. It doesn't happen in a day. It's a lifelong process, whether that's recovery from addiction or recovery from life's pains and challenges. Dr. Moran, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. God bless you. Thanks for all this, folks. Thanks for tuning in and check this out. Tell your friends about it. There's help here. We told you in the beginning we'd give you hope, and I I believe we've been successful with that. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to get a hold of us here, Faith in Your Recovery. We'd be glad to talk to you, answer any questions you might have. God bless. Stay in the battle. Amen. Amen.